Matthew chapter 6 this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to begin there. Thank you, Matt, for that. I don't know if I can top that. I mean, we could all be excused right now, but we won't be. I want to welcome every single one of you this morning to Big Woods Bible Church. Um, what a joy it has already been to lift up our voices in praise to the Lord, to focus on Him. All the craziness of this past week, all the worries, all the frets, all the fears, our attention is hard-focused on one. As you know, we kind of pause from our series in Genesis, and we're focusing on what I call Church 101. Some of the basics, particularly those of you that are new to Big Woods, why we do what we do. We've looked at basic things, preaching today, praying, serving, and giving. And so these are broad subjects that we'll be able to just kind of briefly take a high-level view to learn more about why is it we pray so many times together as a church on a Sunday morning? That is a great question, and we will have that answered, Lord willing, in a moment. Would you bow your heads first and foremost as we ask the Lord to speak to our hearts through his word this morning? Father, we do love you as already has been expressed in the sacrifice of praise through our voices. We thank you, Lord, that you hear not only the, the cries and the pleads of our heart, but, Lord, you know the depths of our heart. And, Father, even right now, whatever circumstances have happened in people's lives to bring them to this moment, to be sitting in these seats under the, the teaching of your word. Father, I would pray for a help. I desperately and always need your help. Please guide me. We thank you for the promises we learned last week that your word never returns void. We thank you, Lord, that your love is fixed. It's unconditional. And Lord, you love us even in our brokenness and sinfulness that we can have a relationship so much that we come before you with our heads bowed and we cry out, Abba, Father. Father, please, may you speak and may your children hear. and May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, as I said, and just so that you know, you have a little um, note sheet in front of you. Important to take notes. We listen better that way. On that note sheet is a little QR code. If you're sitting here this morning, you're like, yeah, I don't quite understand. I'd like to hear that again. You shoot that with your phone. You're not texting, remember that. But with your phone, you can ask any question that you want and after our time together, meet me in the NPR, grab a coffee, and we'll dialogue. We learn by asking questions and listening, okay? So just so you understand, there's a responsibility on your part as well as on my part this morning. We begin with a broad introduction to praying, to prayer, and what exactly does it mean to pray? And you'll notice that there are multiple Greek words for this word prayer, praying, but for the most part... They focus on this idea of what it means to, to beg or to pray asking in a pleading fashion or to pray 
fervently or fearlessly. And I know what you're automatically thinking when you think about, I'm begging before God, like, that's not me. I don't beg for anything. Actually, that's why this subject is so important for us to learn about this morning. Now, if you were to consider the scriptures, there are countless, I would say almost endless commands to pray throughout scripture. There's examples of praying. There's testimonies and stories of faithful prayer. There's evidence and proof of answers to prayers. There's models on how we should pray, and there's instruction on how not to pray. A massive subject, I think you would agree that it's too much, too big for one day. And so what I want us to do this morning is kind of think a little bit more specific or narrow on why we pray as a local church and for the local church. Or specifically, if we were to zoom in, why we pray together. So think this morning over its corporate prayer over personal prayer. Corporate prayer over personal prayer. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that we do not need to pray personally. We all do. We need to pray what? Privately and passionately pleading before the Lord. But for the sake of our series, as far as what we're doing here together, lifting up our voices, my prayer is that we become a church that prays better together. We're never satisfied, in a sense, for where we're at as far as we need to learn, learn, we need to lean in and grow more and more. Why is this so important? You don't have to go real far in Scripture. As a matter of fact, you opened up what the very first book of the New Testament to what is referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Luke chapter 11, it's also listed. But in our context this morning, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, the disciples, in a sense, are asking Jesus, how do we do this? Great question for any one of us to ask. Jesus responds and he says this, pray like this. Perhaps you've memorized this. If not, it would be good because it offers a, a wonderful model on how we are to pray. How do we do this? Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil you may have noticed the emphasis nine plural pronouns in five verses what us we are think about this Jesus gives a model for prayer and he put it in a form that actually commends it even more for us praying together as a body than for our own personal use. Let me begin this time with why is this so important, so vital, so necessary, so intentional, and yet as well, so descriptive on how we are to do this. Four points I want to give to you this morning. The first one is this. God uses our prayer together to advance his kingdom. First and foremost. 
God actually uses our prayer together to advance his kingdom. We pray together quite simply because we need to. We need this. We need air. We need water. And we need food. If we're to grow what? Physically, they're the basic things. If we're to survive physically, they're the basics. If we're to survive spiritually, if we're to grow spiritually, we need, we pray out of a desperate need. Why? Because we need, I can't emphasize that word enough, underlined, we need God to act on our behalf. Go to the first century church, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the book of Acts. There the early church had a number of major obstacles to overcome. And let me just preface, they're not the kind of obstacles that we think about today. We what? And they are real, and I'm not taking anything from them, but our type of obstacles are what? We need what? More children's, children's uh, ministry workers. We, we need to what? We need to kind of stop stepping on one another's toes. But we're, we're down 4%. Whatever it is, there's always these prayers that are like we so desperately, they're not the type of obstacles that the first century church was facing. No. Here's the type of obstacles that they were facing. Dads didn't just check the lock on their door at night before the family fell asleep. Okay? And the reason is, is that dad didn't just check to the lock on the door, is that dad would actually have to sit watch at the door. Because people hated the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, and anyone who claimed to follow Jesus so much that they would literally, what, bust down the door to get them. And you know what the dad did? The dad said, drag me out to the street to beat me and to burn me, but don't touch my wife or my children. They're the type of obstacles that the first century church was facing. Totally different than, than what we face as obstacles today. And yet what happened is this. The church continued to grow. Matter of fact, it exploded in growth. How does that happen? I, I think first and foremost, because I'm, I'm going to lean this direction here just for a moment. Let's talk about dads. We, we have dads today that are watching the door, right? <laughs> so that nobody comes in because of what they're doing. They don't, they don't want people to see that they've been on a video game for hours or drinking beer or watching porn wasting their lives rather than leading and guarding and protecting. Several times we see throughout the history of the church that they face persecution. And you know what they did? They said, let's get together, let's be together and pray about this. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John had just been released from jail and the church gathered to hear the report of their stay in jail. How bad was the beating? 
to, to look at the marks on their wrists and their ankles from the chains. Now, you would think for a moment that if your leaders have just been released from prison and there's this threat of persecution, ongoing threat of persecution, probably people would just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to hang on my own tonight. I think I'll just kind of stay by myself tonight and I'll pray at home as opposed to getting together to pray. I don't want to run that risk just in case. But corporate prayer, they gather together, together. So important that the believers want it to be to praise God in the prayers, to recognize his sovereignty and ask for the boldness that is so desperately needed in the midst of threats. It's described like this. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It, like, it just, like, people don't realize when we gather and our hearts are bowed in humble recognition to a sovereign God as we plead out. It says that the place that they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That means what? What's it look like? Love and joy and peace and gentleness and meekness. And not only that, it says that they spoke the word of God boldly. The, the result was that the gospel spread even more. I thought about that. How, how long has it been since you, don't elbow the person next to you, how long has it been since you have boldly shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else? This past week? I would hope. I don't know. Like, can you go back, like, this week, yeah, I was wrestling through some things, and I was praying, because has it been two weeks since you've boldly claimed, what, the message of the gospel with someone? Like, we're called to do that. That's who we are. Has it, has it happened in the past month? I would hope so. And if you're, like, beyond that, like, I don't, you know what? Wow. Wow. I, I did invite someone to church a couple weeks ago, but they didn't seem real interested. No, no, something happens here. When we gather together in force, in mass, and there's a boldness that comes. Another example, one of my favorite ones, consider Acts chapter 12. And I've preached on this before, I won't do it again, but Acts chapter 12 opens up, and I tell you what, it's looking pretty bad for the church. Acts chapter 12 opens up, and we know that what? Herod is king, he's on the throne. We know that James, the apostle, has just been killed. And we know that Peter is locked up in prison. Peter, who was released earlier in Acts chapter 4, yeah, he's back in. Acts chapter 12 opens up. Herod's king. James is dead. Peter's in prison. And yet, everything pivots on verse 5. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him was made to God by the church. Earnest, fervent prayer. 
Yeah, our leader's locked up again. What do we do? Well, I don't know. It's a little dicey out there. Maybe I'll just stay home and eat Captain Crunch. No, no, no. We have got to be together on this one. Earnest prayer, fervent prayer was made. And yet, Acts chapter 12 opens up. It's pretty dark. Acts chapter 12 closes, and here's how it closed. Herod's dead. It actually literally says this. He was eaten by worms, and he breathed his last. Herod is dead. We know that Peter is free from prison. Remember that story, knocking on the door? And the word of God is on the throne. Why? Everything pivots on the fact that we need to be together here. We have, we have people struggling in our very midst and people kind of scurry to their corners like, yeah, I remember. No, we have to gather together to do that. That's what we do. This is basic church 101. Throughout history, we have seen God work especially active. What does James chapter five say? The effectual fervent. There's that, there's that word again. Prayer of a righteous man of a righteous woman, someone who recognizes their desperate need to fall before the Lord. We all know that we're sinners and screw-ups at some level. And yet what? No, we that we've been justified by grace through faith in Christ alone. We can come. We can be righteous husbands and wives and righteous, what? Children in obedience to their parents. Husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. And we gather together. We fall on our knees. What? The effectual, fervent, it's that word, hot prayer. I like that. Yeah, but I don't always, you know, I'm kind of shy. I don't really, you know, I just, I, you know, I get nervous speaking in public like that. I'm sorry, gang. I want to be polite here. That is so selfish. I, I, I honestly, there's so much pride that says, well, I could pronounce a word wrong. We're, we're, no, we have been redeemed by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has knit our hearts together to live life, and we are given a gift, as I talked about, to open it up together, and we bleed before the Lord. Yeah, but I got a, my kid's ball game tonight. You are going to stand before the Lord with the same amount of time that everyone else is given. And you're going to give accountable for every single minute. And my responsibility is just to remind you. God uses our prayer to advance the kingdom of God. How are you doing in faithfulness? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not your own will. Number two, God is glorified through the unity of our prayer. Something happens here, and you've probably experienced this before. I was traveling um, overseas one time, I don't remember where, and I had my red Phillies hat on. And you're, you're overseas, okay? You're someplace else. I don't remember where I was. And you're in an airport. And, and in the back of the airport, I see a guy walking towards me. And he's got a red Phillies hat on. Man, what happens on that? I mean, he's just coming. He sees me. I see him. Our eyes lock for a teary moment. It's like what? Mm, yeah. City brotherly love, man. And there's something that like, whoa, we're on the same team. 
There's a thousand other people around you. I'm like, hey, man, where are you from? What school did you go to? Think about when you've been away somewhere. Kind of uh, standing in line, like the awkward, staring at the, at the floor, and you begin to, like, hey, how you doing? And, and you begin to maybe, maybe, maybe talk to a stranger. And you find out in dialogue that they love Jesus. Like you love Jesus. And, and they follow Jesus. It's hard, but they're following Jesus like you're following Jesus. And what, what happens? It is, it is a gift from God. You don't know them from Adam, and yet there is something that we know unites. And then as you begin to maybe converse, and, and I've, I've done this before, that has nothing to do with me, just, just where God kind of placed me, and I've had conversation, and, and we'll say one to another. And I've had it, I've, I've, I've initiated, and others have initiated. I remember a guy, and he's like, hey, could I, could I pray for you on your way home? Yeah, yeah bro, by all means. You only had a Phillies hat on, it'd be so much better. But at some level, at some level, there is something that just unites us together. And we've heard that unity among God's people glorifies God. Means it's not about you. It's about how do we exalt. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul calls out the entire church. So he's pointing fingers through the power of the Holy Spirit to every single one of us. My, my dad would, he's got these short, stubby, thick fingers, and he would tap me right on the center of my chest like that. Do you, do you hear? Do you listen? Paul does exactly the same thing to the entire church in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with, oh, that is such a descriptive term, bearing with one another in love. Why? Because we are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are eager to maintain this thing, which means what? Your burdens become my burdens, and my burdens become your burdens. Let me give you, run this little scenario with me for a moment. Tuesday, I meet Jack. His name's not Jack. I don't even know who he is. Let's use his name, Jack. And as I talk with Jack, I realize that Jack needs Jesus in his life. And, and that night, I, I pray for Jack that he would come to know Jesus. And, and morning coffee, when Wendy and I get together, I'm like, hey, you know, I, I met Jack, and we need to pray for Jack together. There's two people praying for Jack. He'd come to know Jesus. On Wednesday, I go to the the elders meetings like this is real like this is real life this is what happens and we'll be sitting together i'm like hey you know what do we pray about and i'm like hey i just met jack and jack means jesus in his life and what and and now there's one two people and now there's like 10 12 people praying jack would come to know jesus tell your wives tell everybody so one of their wives goes to thursday morning bible study and they're sitting with a group of ladies back here and hey is there anything to pray about yeah yeah we're praying for Jack. He needs to know Jesus. Saturday morning, there's another group of ladies that pray back here. And they're like, hey, is there anything to pray about? Yeah, we, we need to pray for 
for Jack, Friday morning prayer. Is anything heavy on our heart? Yeah, I just met Jack, man. We got to pray for Jesus. And then what happens? What happens when we get together on Sunday morning? We're like, hey, how can I pray for you? Is there anything? Yeah. And then there is a chorus. People are praying for Aunt Millie's ankle, and I know that Aunt Millie's ankle needs to be healed, and I know that's important, and we do have to pray, but wait a minute, there's a soul at stake. Jack could die and go to hell for all of eternity, and now we have been confronted with that. We better be praying and bringing, and what happens, we're all praying together. Think about when poor Jack walks into this church. That's, that's, you, you do realize Praying together is one way that we are to be obedient to this camp. Maintain the unity. We're all in the same plate here. Page. Page. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I, I personally, I believe this can and should be an opportunity. It, it's an opportunity as we are what together is seeking God. What a, what a testimony to those outside the church that we're all, we're all on the same page. What, what a way for us to be encouraged when we're all praying for the same thing, that there's actually a love and a care and a concern. Yeah, but I don't like what they did. Like there, There's a love and a care, a concern for souls that are at stake here. God is glorified through the unity of our prayer. Thirdly, corporate prayer unites us. I don't have it in my notes, but I could say it, it knits our hearts together. Corporate prayer is not just a benefit that comes from our unity. It actually helps create our unity. Let me, let me say that again. Corporate prayer is not just a, a byproduct, a blessing, or a benefit that comes from us. It actually helps us, creates unity. When we pray together, we are in some way leaving behind some of the selfish desires and focusing ultimately, A, on God first and foremost, and others second. That's what we do, Lord willing, when we gather together on a Sunday morning. Wednesday evening, we thank God first and foremost, just as Pastor Robbie did this morning. We praise God for his love and his grace and his mercy. And yes, we pray for people's physical health and well-being, but also for their spiritual life. We pray intentionally for area churches. We pray for other ministries. We pray for missionaries and elders and deacons and, and the ones that are serving our little ones so faithfully. By praying together, we learn about others and their lives and their struggles. We hear from one another, and it draws us together. It's like what? It's like sitting around the dinner table together as a family. It's family time. You get to help those. You honestly get to contribute to those whom you love. So think of, of corporate prayer as a service. You're serving the rest of the congregation. And some of us, this might feel a little bit strange because, well, we're kind of private people. We want everyone to kind of know and, and see, and we certainly don't want to be a burden for them, or we don't want to be a burden on them. 
But that's, that's not at all. That's not at all what the Bible teaches. There's a great text, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And what's interesting is I use 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in numerous circumstances, kind of in my, my day job, okay? People go through difficult struggles. People lose loved ones, and you sit with them as you're about to, to bury mom or, or grandmom. And you say that God comforts us in our affliction so that we can be a comfort to others. And what's interesting is I was reading this week, I oftentimes stop by verse 7. It's actually cut. Cut as far as my, my, my pen drawing. And it's separated from 7 to 8. And today I was, this week, excuse me, I was encouraged by reading verse 8 and onward. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul's saying this. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia. He's suffering hardship. He describes it. Not specifically what it is, but he says this, we were under great pressure. Look at this, far beyond our ability to endure. You ever been there before? Yeah. So that we despaired even of life. It was so bad, I don't even know if I can survive this thing. Paul says, indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But all of this happened. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. I love this. Who are we praying to? God, who raises the dead. Then he uses this word and he repeats it three times. Listen to this. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. He, he has delivered us. He is and he will continue to do that. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers. You see what's happening here? Paul's like, yeah, I'm dead. I am totally, is totally beyond. And he said, but that happened, so we focus on one, and the way that we focus on him is that you, and I can, you can underline it, help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Does it begin to kind of take shape as far as why we do this? Not only why we do this, but why we must do this? Was, was it a burden for these believers, for this church to be praying for Paul? Come on, Paul. I mean, come on. Ease up on us. We got like a lot of ball games to watch here, and now we got to be praying for you on top of that. Was it a burden for them? <laughs> Absolutely not. It was, it was a blessing to lift him up, to share in the joy of God's continual deliverance. It's almost as if they had like an unbeliever. If they had an unbeliever that's like, hey, come with me, because we're going to be praying together. Watch what happens. Think about that kind of faith. Think about you finding your neighbor, somebody that doesn't know Jesus, and what you you bring them together so that as we pray as a church, you're literally like, watch what's going to happen. 
It'll knock your socks off. That's what's happening. He was not a bother. He was not a burden to the church. Or if Paul was like, yeah, I don't, you know, my prayer letter got a little long this week. I don't know if I want to add the fact that, well, we're almost dead again. Paul didn't think like that. Th- think about you for a moment, where you're at. June, I don't know today's date. June, last day of June, 2023. Last Sunday in June. You got your whole life up to this moment. Where you're at right now. Some of you have been running kind of like driving your own like life. So you come to the, to think about how you right now, where you're specifically at on this day, in this moment, in this place, about sharing the needs that you're struggling with, with other people. So you can be drawn together and what together you're encouraged by God's amazing work. So think about for a moment, are you struggling even in your own faith? Like, I don't know. It works for some people, but it doesn't seem to be working for me. Are you struggling? Struggling at at work? Maybe people leaning on you, do things that you're not real comfortable with doing. Like, that's a struggle every single day. Struggling in your marriage? If you've been married more than one day, let me tell you this, you're going to face some struggle in your marriage. Struggling raising your children? I think children can be demon-possessed at some point. And it's like, whoa, what in the world is going on? You have a responsibility to kind of like teach them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let me tell you something, son. Like that's what we're, that's real life. Struggling in your sharing of your faith or in your evangelism towards others. Some of you, if you're honest, can't even think about the last time you shared the gospel with someone. It goes that far back. You remember what you got for Christmas, but you can't remember the last time that you shared the gospel with someone struggling with your evangelism. I tell you what you need to do. Think about bringing a brother or sister alongside. Think about in one of the gatherings that we have here and knitting our hearts together. I can think of so many times someone just, what, confessed sin, shared openly and honestly, kind of like tore it open, and they just poured out And people have gathered around them in a circle and laid hands on them and prayed for them and encouraged them, pleading together for wisdom for them. You think dads need wisdom today? Absolutely. You think we need boldness today? We gather to pray for healing. We gather to pray for protection. What happens? Not just that person is encouraged, but everyone else is encouraged as well. Allow others to bring you before the Lord in prayer. Fourthly and finally, corporate prayer teaches us. It just teaches us how we are to pray. I don't know if you've, you've noticed that, that, again, it's by design. Our, our morning services, we gather, why we do what we do, follows the path of the gospel. It's designed by that, in our, in our prayers, in our singing, we what? Consider God's holiness. We consider his sovereignty. We consider his majesty. We consider his righteousness. And we also take time, what? Lord, we confess to you and we admit the times that we've failed. 
We thank God for Christ's work on the cross that allows us to have relationship with him. And then we plead that he would give us the strength that we need to hear, to respond, to obey, to submit or surrender. I think what's interesting, I think I'm pretty safe in saying that I'm not alone here. Left to myself, I can easily just end up praying for myself. Because we kind of lean that selfish direction. It's, it's a long list of really what, what I think God should be doing. It's a long list of my shopping list, what I need, my petitions, my supplications. And that's good, and we need to do that, but God wants to hear all of our hearts. When there's like a little tiny bit of like glossed over confession, forgive me, a little tiny praise, and then this long shopping, we're kind of missing out on what God has designed and told us on how to pray. Jesus sets, John O, we call him, Jesus sets the priority and agenda for our prayers. It helps us to stop jockeying for position, but instead plead for God to take his rightful position in our church and the world. It recalibrates our compasses and synchronizes our watches so that we're all headed the same direction. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. We use this little what? It's called the ACTS model, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, last, supplication. Our prayers of praise and confession teach us to focus our gaze on the beauty of God and our delight in him. When we begin to, we begin to what? Adore God, confess sin, Thank him for the way that we can be justified even in our sin. What is that? That's gospel. That leads people. That, that is what we teach about that there is hope in a hopeless world. There's help given for those that have no help any other way that they look, any place that they turn. Practically speaking, let me leave you a couple things. And, I, and, I, and I'm not doing this in a selfish way, but I'm doing this in a selfish way. Pray for the one who is preaching to you. It may be me, it may be Robbie or Stuart or Aaron or one of the elders, but pray for that person. You do realize that there's like a bullseye put on their chest. People ask me, how can I be praying for you? Please just pray for wisdom for me and protection from the evil one. So pray for the past, pray for the message. Think about the, the text as we talked about last week. We send it out to you. Read that, pray for that. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly. Another translation says, boldly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it, same word, fearlessly. There's a temptation to what? Like this is going to really upset people, so let's just kind of back off. Jesus loves you, this I know. I know, I know he does. But there's more to the gospel than just Jesus' love. There's the fact that you desperately need his love because of the fact that you're a broken sinner. But he doesn't leave us there. So please be praying. Pray through our, our we have a church directory. Some of you are like, we didn't know I had a church directory. Yeah, we do. 
So go ask for one. Get one printed off. Or there's faces, people. Like, you don't know them. And we understand that we're praying for people we don't really know. Well, guess what? You pray for that face right there, and you're going to see him the next Sunday. You're going to like, that's not a real good picture of you, but I've been praying for you. And what it joins and it knits our hearts a wonderful way to get to know one another. Thirdly and finally, pray for effectiveness for our church as a whole. Big Woods is totally unique from any other church I've ever stepped into in my entire life. It has a unique culture of its own. Praise God for that. We have our own little habits and expectations and our behaviors and, and what strengths and weaknesses. Pray that God would make us to be what? Faithful, that we understand we've all been created differently. But God calls us to one purpose, to unity together. Pray that we would increase in our evangelism towards the world that's in desperate need of good news. Pray that we would be more intentional, intensify even our discipleship, relationships. All of these things for the glory of God. And as we do that, not, not only do we what? Knit our hearts together and we see and there's an increased care and concern for one another but together, we begin to see that's the one. That's the one who hears us. That's the one who created us. That's the one who died for us. May we be a church that is characterized by fervent prayer for the holy God. Father, we love you, and we know that we need your help every single day. Father, I would ask that if people even at this moment are under the voice of the Holy Spirit to convict them, to, to, to tell them that they need to do some things differently, that they would respond to that. Or that they, they would ask for help. would seek out others to help them in their journey. We so love you. and We are so blessed by your goodness and grace. Thank you for this time together. In your name we pray. Amen.